Thank you for joining with us for another episode of Morning Briefings here on the Pipeline Intercession for the President and on our podcast. If you have any dreams that you have about the office of the president, please send them to pip at christiancentershreveport.com. We're so thankful that you all have joined in with us on this prayer journey, and we look forward to standing with you not only today, but in the days ahead. So with that, we'll go ahead and join today's broadcast as we talk about the news and stand on the wall for this nation and the office of the president. Good morning, good morning, everyone. Zach Carscadden coming to you live from North Carolina. And today we want to look at scripture and ask ourselves, ask ourselves, what has the Lord promised, not only as we see in scripture, the Israelites, but also we can ask ourselves, what has the Lord promised us? And we today look in, stay in Jeremiah, as we will the next several days. And today in Jeremiah 30 and 31, in highlighting several promises of restoration for the Israelites and for Jacob, the nation, people of Jacob, Israel, to restore them back and then give them back the land and and stay true to his promises that he gave to Abraham. And we just want to go through Jeremiah 30 a little bit here and look at some of the verses uh, here. You can see the opening title of Jeremiah 30 is Deliverance from Captivity Promised. So here we see the Lord promising deliverance to Jeremiah, that the, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah to the people going about for behold in in verse three days are coming declares the lord when i will restore the fortunes of my people israel and judah the lord says i will also bring them back to the land that i gave to their forefathers and they shall possess it still holding true to what the lord says and and the reason i want to highlight this is because you know with all this injustice and everything going on is it's a thing to remind ourselves of to be patient for the true justice of the Lord as vengeance belongs to the Lord. And justice does as well. Then we go down a little bit in seeing um, verse 10 and 11. I, this one really highlights uh, something that I think we, we can really hold to as a promise. As he said here in verse 10, it says, Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, declares the Lord, and do not be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from afar, and you are offspring from the land of their captivity, and Jacob will return and be quiet and at ease, and no one will make him afraid. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to save you, for I will destroy completely all the nations where I have scattered you. Only I will not destroy you completely, but I will chasten you justly, and you and will by no means leave you unpunished. So even though the Lord's going to restore them, there's still a discipline that's coming, you know, like, like a father to his child when his, his child um, does something he doesn't necessarily want him to do then we go down and just kind of highlighting the next several portions of it's talking about again this restoration you know we're talking about revival and robert heiler talks about in reality is is we don't need a revival we need a restoration and obviously it's it's a 
difference of uh, of opinion there, but it's it's funny to see how the scripture points out a restoration of the covenant blessings that the Lord has promised. And then you go into verse or chapter thirty one, and it's more of the same, where um, how Israel's mourning is turned to joy. And, and it even goes down in verses 33 and 34, talking about how the Lord will bring about a new covenant and put his heart within the people of Israel. He says in verse 33, 31, 33, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law within them and on their heart, I will write it and I will be their God and they shall be my people for they will not teach again, each man his neighbor and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will know me, for from the least of them to the greatest of them declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember no more. And, and I wanted to highlight just those few portions of the scripture to just really emphasize the, number one, restoration that the Lord promises here in, in to Jeremiah of them being wanderers and being spread out partly because of disobedience. Um, and so how even though we have sin and iniquity and things in our life, that the Lord can still accomplish the promises that he has for us. When we ask the questions, what has the Lord promised us? Is what are some prophetic words over your life that maybe you've forgotten as we're at this time of reflection at the end of the year, coming into the new year? Is, you know, Gloria Zion and a lot of churches and ministries are, are, you know, looking back, reflecting, but then ultimately, you know, looking forward into what the Lord has promised us in the year ahead. And so the prayer point for, for this portion of scripture and for today is to look at his future, what the Lord has promised, um, and his future promises and praise him and that his plan for our lives, for our nation, for whatever is going on is good. And obviously uh, the Lord knows the end from the beginning. Uh, he is the Alpha and the Omega as it, it talks about in Revelations. And, and so that's where our focus and our hope should be. And just a reminder for anybody who, who, who just needs that reminder, that peace, that seed today. As we look at some things in the news. Okay, today we want to highlight a few key things um, to continue to pay attention to. Uh, a lot involving, involving Israel, and so we want to stay on top of that, and Iran, and then also some domestic issues. And I want to bring up two bills at the end that I think are very important for parents to be aware of and voters, especially ahead of the midterms. Will will they get passed? We'll definitely see. But I think these are good things in order for protection for children and minors in the days ahead. But starting off, we see that um, Putin has come out on a pre-planned speech yesterday or earlier this morning, later in um, Russia, on and there Wednesday since they're a couple hours ahead of us, saying that um, he has announced a partial mobilization and ultimately warns of a possible nuclear quote-unquote wind that could blow towards the west meaning and he because he he said it in his speech that once since it's been translated from russian to english is that there they the russians have more nuclear capabilities than nato allies really consider or 
can even imagine. Basically, it's a, he, he's making a, an open threat to the West and, and to those countries for the sanctions and involvement in the Ukrainian and, and war. He's also ordering pretty much a draft of quote-unquote reservists in Russia, people with experience. And a lot in the West are talking about how, well, this is just uh, signs that Russia is is losing. But I think the West has has to remember and understand what happened during World War II is what does Russia consider losing? Losing land is what they consider losing. The, he, the training that Putin got under the KGB, uh, life and people's lives and bodies are of no consequence to him. Uh, so they sit there and say, all right, the Ukrainians are winning the war. He's saying, okay, he lost all this land this last weekend. You know, Some say it's the size of Maine. That's significant in, in war, but is what's his next step? I mean, you know, there's talks of he's growing ill, possibly dying, losing control of the country. He's showing that there's nothing to lose. And so this is something to be very interested to watch. Um, he also added that militants in the the regions, the Lunhunks region, the Donbas region, will uh, now be considered as soldiers for the Russian Federation going forward. So not only did they capture those land, they captured their people, and now you, they are considered Russian citizens. Some wanted that, some not necessarily so, but now they're involved in this war. So they, I think they got more than they bargained for in this portion and something to, to be very, very mindful of. And then also involving Israel and Iran, how this plays into that is involving the nuclear threat that he talks about is... It'll be interesting to see how and what type of weapons he uses to, if he were to use these nuclear weapons, what do they look like? Are they the drones that they're getting from Iran? Are they going to be able to use nuclear type weapons with those drones, different type of, of missiles for the nuclear weapons? What's he talking about? Um, I'm I'm not an expert on this, but I'm just, I just have questions because there is more information around the world coming out that Russia now has more access to Iranian weapons as they've grown closer over the last several weeks and months due to the conflicts of this and the negotiations and the increased ties that they have because of the nuclear deal that Russia is being the intermediary on. That's why we want to continue to pay attention to what's going on elsewhere around the world to see how it ties in uh, to Israel. Now, speaking on the Israeli front, we talked about yesterday how the Israeli Prime Minister Yair Lapid was going to have a discussion with Jordanian King Abdullah, and the talks are trying to be spun as good in some type of relationship that have strengthened over the last several weeks and months as uh, Lapid took office in a weird transition for the Israeli government. But then he's also about to be out, possibly be out, as they have new elections coming up. And so the talks didn't necessarily go well. As you see from the Jerusalem Post, they're saying, you know, Lapid asked, or they're saying, tells Abdullah 
to get the Palestinians to stop their terror attacks ahead of the Jewish holiday season. Quite interesting because while these talks are going on, they didn't, they supposedly don't want citizens harmed. Um, in the past, Jordanian kings have been able to some way and form been able to calm things down uh, whenever things started to escalate. But then you also have uh, King Abdullah going before the UN Council and calling out Israel for its treatment of Christians and the holy site, the, the Golden Dome, uh, Temple Mount, uh, the involvement there, the fact that they're allowing more Jews to pray there. They don't like that. And then also he called out and called for a two-state solution. Very interesting to see here. And some believe as Lapid has come into power that he's okay with that. They want that. But that's why it's really interesting and important for nations to continue to say that Jerusalem is Israel's capital because that is disputed amongst Islamic nations and the rest of the world and Iran as well who are involved in backing that. So something interesting to see there because the fight over Jerusalem uh, has now increased as states and nations have now declared and moved their embassies from Tel Aviv in the south to the heart of Israel to Jerusalem, the true capital. And why why do I say that is important? Because as we see these negotiations going on with Iran, with Israel, is is okay, you're seeing more nations pipe up about this two-state solution again. What's interesting is that Jordan, who is calling for a two-state solution, could take in these Palestinians, who some of them are still in refugee camps and have been for decades. They have enough capacity to bring them in, but they don't want to. You go back to when these people were put into refugee camps. They, at the time, generations past, were asking to be ruled in Israel, what they call Palestine, by a Syrian mullah, Syrian leader. So it would just basically be Syria would be bigger. Um, most of them wanted that. Most of them come from Syrian descent. Palestinian is a made-up historical term. Um, recently, there's no long-term historical evidence of that. So it, it's something interesting to see here and why we want to continue to pay attention to what's going on here and praying on the issue of peace for Jerusalem, most importantly, is what the Scripture and the Lord tells us as we've gone through that before. But then also pray for our administration here in the United States. As these negotiations are going on, as potential relationship should be built with Lapid and uh, President Biden. What goes on there? President Biden's kind of staying out of it. Uh, so is Lapid. And, and that's why you're starting to see Lapid make these rounds with international leaders because he's failed to do so up until this point. Um, and it's quite, quite alarming uh, for Israel and the peace of Israel to see this happening. Now, kind of international domestic issue is on the border. Some interesting stats have come out recently that as you know we see what's happening with Martha's Vineyard and the the data being released about what's happening on the border as we get closer to midterms this needs to be a topic of discussion for every politician who cares about the sovereignty of this country whether it's Republican or Democrat because there's um, Democrat Henry Kohler who 
is the congressman for the region around San Antonio at the border who has called out a lot of these issues from the Biden administration and the discrepancies. But what I want to point out is there's a Washington Times article that outlines this. The opening sentence of the article says, The Border Patrol has nabbed 78 people on the terrorist watch list so far this year according to uh, data from the Homeland Department of Homeland Security. 78 known terrorists this year, not counting last year, year before, 78 known terrorists this year that they have caught. What about the ones they haven't caught? Our Daily Wire reports that there are estimates of 850,000 known, quote-unquote known, gotaways, that's what we know. What about the ones we don't know? I've seen higher estimates. I think um, Clay Higgins from Louisiana talks about, his, he says it. he believes it's like 1.2, almost 2 million known gotaways from his data as he knows more people involved with the law enforcement. This is just public government information. And so it's quite interesting to see this. And this is one of those things where voters, we need to pray for voters to have wisdom especially along those border towns and, and hopefully with what's happening with Martha's Vineyard as people's and, and liberals' ideas are being blown out of proportion in realizing the consequences of their actions, uh, let this be a, a turning of the hearts because this does not only for the sovereignty and protection and security of our nation but also for the individuals is now they're put in a life of barrenness moving around from region to region being used as toys um, and in reality now there's the venezuelan prisons are being emptied out donald trump has hinted at this quite some time ago that other nations were doing this beforehand um so rumors that russia was doing the same thing have known this is where these some of these terrorists come from and, and et cetera and stuff like that so there's a huge issue at the border the Biden administration is 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 Making every excuse in the world, as President Biden said yesterday, um, when asked the question of why is the border more overwhelmed under your watch, he said, well, there, there are fewer and fewer immigrants coming from Central America and Mexico, and now they're, they're coming from Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua, which all those have ties to Iran. That's, that's very, very alarming um, to see. And again, you have Kamala Harris coming out saying there's no issue there. So something we really need to pray for, obviously for wisdom from leader, for leaders, but more so for the voters to have wisdom when voting coming this election. And, and if, if Republicans are smart, they make this a number one issue as well as the economy and ever, ever other, other things. Now, I want to start here because I want to get to these two bills, um, protecting children. Uh, the, the issue kind of starts as we're seeing – I want to highlight this story because we're seeing those who want to go after children. And if we've seen what's happening in California where they want to be able to take away children from parents if they go to California for trans, transgender surgeries if they're minors – to basically become the parent of the child because they deem that the parent isn't in the right mind to be able to protect the child. And now you're seeing more advocates coming out and asking for 
Child Protective Services to be involved, other organizations to be involved, basically to do the same thing that California is doing. And there is a leading author of a transgender health association whose new guidelines for adolescents reveal that they have called Child Protective Services on uncooperative parents who did not affirm their child's newly chosen transgender identity. The organization is called the World Professional Association for Transgender Health, and it had a session on adolescence chapter during their annual conference on Monday that was live streamed online, and they go into detail about that very subject of, well, we're proud to announce that when parents who don't have the best in, in their eyes, don't have the best interest of the child of getting them the gender-affirming care that they need, that we need to call Child Protective Services to get them involved to take the child away because we deem that the parent is not in the right state of mind to be able to watch out for the, their children. This is quite alarming to see this type of rhetoric being ramped up and praised. Um, why Child Protective Services would go along with this, I think we, we understand that with the ideologues that are being pushed within government offices and spheres, but that is, that is happening. As well, something to watch out for in, and I want to highlight this and it'll lead me to the bills, is in Michigan, you have a gubernatorial candidate, Tudor Dixon, who has called out and called for the resignation of the state's superintendent Tuesday for the so-called um, gender-affirming care training videos that have been put into the Department of Education and in the curriculums within Michigan. So Michigan has huge problems. She's talking about defunding this, dealing with this, if she were to get in office. So if you know anybody in Michigan, if they're unaware, this is a very strong issue uh, for parents across this nation uh, to be informed about going in ahead of these midterms and being aware as the Department of Education at the federal national level from the White House and those involved are going in line with this. And how you can kind of defeat that is at the state level, at the local level, to make sure these ideas don't get pushed forward. Which leads me into the first of two bills. The first bill that has been introduced and why it's important, like the Lindsey Graham abortion ban bill, is that let's see where these politicians who are up for re-election re at. Is, okay, will they get passed? Maybe, maybe not. But the idea is to spark a debate. And let's say this go around, this Congress and this Senate, they don't get put forward or they don't come to a vote. If they come to a vote, maybe they get knocked down, whatever the case may be. Is Number one, let's start a debate. But then as these people come back in office or new people come in, in office, is where are they going to vote when these votes actually come into play? And this first bill from Senator Tim Scott that he introduced yesterday is to prevent schools from keeping a child's gender transition from their parents. He calls it the parents' parental rights over education and care of their kids act protect, which why is this even being discussed is, is just astronomical, but this is going on across, across the nation. Uh, I think there's even a law in DC that a group here in North Carolina has been very, very uh, high, on point on of highlighting that the mayor in dc was trying to get a law passed to say that schools don't have to do basically the opposite of this bill that parent that schools are allowed to hide california is doing the same thing it's very alarming and so scott's saying okay cool you want to try that we'll deal with this at the federal level now you, you get into federalism states issues 
that'll have to be played out. I'm not saying this will actually 100% get voted forward, but it's interesting to see. Here's the here's the opposite. Okay, you see what those who want to go after children are doing, as how far they want to do. They want to separate the child from the parent. That's that is hardcore totalitarianism. That's what Stalin did. That's what Hitler did. The Nazi youth, etc., trying to brainwash the next generation and cause a host of problems. Then you have. Marjorie Taylor Greene in the House introduced a bill last month, but it's really being highlighted right now, called the Protect Children's Innocence Act that aims to shield minors from accessing the permanent body and life-altering medical treatment they may later come to regret. regret. And I'm going to post it on its own later on in the pipeline for those who are part of the group because there's a video from a young girl who is now 18 years old an adult by legal terms named chloe coles who tells her story about how when she was 12 she told her parents that she was a boy and wanted to transition and talks about having a double mastectomy, similar to that of what cancer patients get. Talks about how her parents were fed the lie. This was the lie that doctors were telling her parents. And this is absolutely horrendous from doctors to even consider uttering these words out of their mouth. And I think it shows a lack of morality in this nation that, that we have to deal with. And it starts with the church. She said... Scared for my life, my parents were prepared to sign anything that the doctors asked. This was not informed consent. It was decision forced under extreme stress. And what they asked and they presented to the parents was the gender clinic presented my parents gender affirming clinic. Basically not questioning, not actually looking at the biology of the child, mental health, mental state of the child. They said this. Presented my parents with a classic false dichotomy regarding children with gender dysphoria quote-unquote gender dysphoria would you rather have a dead daughter or a living son and she goes on to give grace to her parents about how what would they do is is rather than saying no you're crazy i'm not giving my child hormone altering drugs and allowing them to go under the knife because you think that the only other option is for them to die and commit suicide. That, that's the alternative being pushed is, well, they're going to die, so you better do this. That's a that's a honest, honest answer being presented to parents. And um, Marjorie Taylor Greene is putting a bill forward to go after the doctors and those who, who, who go after this. And offering, again, an alternative for debate before the midterms and to see maybe it could come forward to a vote to see where people currently stand on this issue because this is a hot topic issue for parents. And and when you listen to the, the girl's voice, I mean, it's a deep voice. Her body has been transformed because of the drugs and everything they talk about. And I want to read a, a, the basically the summary of Marjorie Taylor Greene's bill because I think it will highlight to us some very important issues here Um 
it's kind of hard to read. I'm going to blow it up as big as I can here. The, the bill that is titled uh, Protect Children's Innocence Act states, the summary states this. He said, the, this bill places restrictions on the provision of gender-affirming care. Gender-affirming care includes performing surgery, administering medication, or performing other procedures for the purpose of changing the body of an individual to correspond to a sex that differs from the individual's biological sex. This is the one of the foundational issues that Todd Trahan points about uh, of made in the image of God. We're trying to alter, we're trying to play God and say we know better than what God. God, God may have made you this, but we we think because you're a little teenager and we've indoctrinated you, we've groomed you into this, that you should go along with this and alter and harm you for the rest of your body. And Chloe Cole goes on to talk about how about how now that she realizes the reality of the situation, she realizes she will never have the ability to have the blessing of having children, of being a mother and being able to provide for the, the natural effects with her body of providing food for her own children in the future if she's even able to have them, which is another question. Uh, going on, specifically the bill makes it a felony to perform any gender-affirming care on a minor or it permits a minor whom such care is performed to bring civil action against individuals who provided the care basically allows them to go after and sue those who went after the care because in the case of this Chloe Cole girl is she's going to this doctor saying, I don't want this. How do I go back? You can't go back. It's once you alter your body, you alter your body other than a miracle from God, which, Hey, let's pray for this girl, <laughs> get her healed. Um, show the miraculous supernatural power of the lord it she's stuck unfortunately and additionally going on the bill prohibits the use and this is interesting because this this has multiple effects prohibits the use of federal funds for gender affirming care or for health insurance that covers such hair such care may not be provided in a federal health care facility or by a federal employee this bill, the bill also prohibits qualified health plans from including coverage of gender affirming care. Further plans include coverage for such care are not eligible for federal subsidies. This has to deal, this line right here and this portion of the bill has to deal with Obamacare because not only is Marjorie Taylor Greene trying to prevent Obamacare and government money being spent on this, is you also have to say is, okay, what are the side effects for this stuff after the fact of these kids have transitioned? Most, I've talked to nurses on this, most people who take gender-altering hormone pills have long-term side effects that cause numerous damage to their body. So now you're saying, is if, if we're going to allow this and we want to push this from the federal level, is what Marjorie Taylor Greene is trying to prevent of not only are you ruining their body now, but in the long term, you're possibly shortening their life due to chemical changes within the body. But now that's going to have to be something on the state because the state knows best. And the state, at the end of the day, is funded by taxpayers, you and I. So this is trying to deal with that at a, at a host level, ultimately to try to prevent any of this stuff from going forward in the first place by making it a crime. Um, finally, the bill prohibits institutions of higher education from offering instruction in gender-affirming care. It also makes any non-U.S. national alien under federal law who performs gender-affirming care on a minor deportable and inadmissible to the United States. This is a lofty, lofty bill 
But in reality, is, is it something that needs to be brought forward to deal with the realities of this situation, to cause a debate, to see where politicians side on this issue, to know who to vote for come the midterms. Both the Tim Scott bill and the Marjorie Taylor Greene bill are very important for people to know where politicians stand on this issue because you can either go down the road of gender altering care and more so of allowing the state to influence your child and you see the ramifications from that from the nazi youth how kids were trained within the soviet union under stalin where the state brainwashed and controlled them caused horrendous issues got rid of religion got rid of god whatever the state says goes and we have to ask ourselves is that what the lord has promised us being fearful of the state and not being able to stand up for number one the truth but biblical moral values that's why we're here to stand up against this to hopefully inform you guys and pray on the wall so that parents and especially on this issue well parents will will adhere to the call of the lord to have the strength to watch over their children and to raise their children up in the way that they should go he or she should go um, as we start this new school year as we, we go towards this midterm elections coming up in accordance to what scripture says in proverbs 22 6 of raising up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it rather than letting the child decide which way he should go and so I want to close out on that as two two positives there two positive bills of something being pushed forward um, don't always agree with marjorie taylor green on how she does some things but i think this is a very 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 positive thing um, that she is pushing forward and something to pay attention to in the days ahead to see where certain politicians whether on the right or the left to see where they stand on this because at the end of the day you might be surprised where some people who call themselves christians actually stand on this so blessings um i will be I won't be doing it live. Um, I have pre-recorded episodes for the rest of this week. I'll be traveling, um, but I'll be back live Monday. But again, as I said yesterday, I, I, I pre-recorded a video to go through what is actually in the Women's Health Protection Act. Uh, I think it's very interesting to see um, what is actually in there. So be sure to watch that one. And then on Friday, I have a historical example of someone who lived through totalitarian regimes in Czechoslovakia and I go through an essay he writes. His name is Baklav Benda. He writes an essay about the importance of family and some of the benefits family provide, not only in general, but in a totalitarian state and how it allows for freedom and the generational wealth transfer of biblical moral values uh, from one generation to the next. And I think it'd be very interesting and an example that we can see of of what it's going to take in the the current, even current, uh, state of church and Christian persecution that we are in. Um, so I won't be live, but I have some pre-recorded things. Uh, but I'll be back on Monday as I'm traveling to be in Louisiana this weekend and early next week. So blessings, and I will see you guys on Monday. Have a good one.